Dr. Han, good to have you with us. Uh, wanted to get back with you and take another look at coronavirus uh, as we have. And I got to start with this retraction over at The Lancet. It was the article that made people yell and scream about hydroxychloroquine, which people were already yelling and screaming about, that it's going to give you heart issues. It's got terrible side effects. No one should be taking it. And now the study uh, under question, the article uh, being retracted and the authors apologizing. What is it that they originally said what is it that they are now admitting they got wrong? And where are we with hydroxychloroquine and coronavirus? So, Tony, thanks for having me again. Really appreciate it. My best to the people of Indianapolis and to you and your family. Um, so, so this is a really important issue for, for the American people to understand because they, they need to have confidence in the science and medicine and the information that's going out to them. So just to sort of level set for you, if, if you don't mind, from FDA's perspective, we've said all along that uh, – uh, we, we have not approved hydroxychloroquine for uh, treatment of COVID-19, and we won't make that decision until we have evidence from controlled trials, which were not the trials that were published in Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine. Those are what we call observational trials, where they, they look at a group of uh, patients who've been treated with hydroxychloroquine and then try to find matches of other patients who weren't and then make a comparison and draw a conclusion. And the problem with that is that there's bias that's introduced into that analysis, and it's really difficult to do. And we don't, we have not uh, traditionally made our decisions based upon those studies because of those concerns. So um, it's really important for journals when they identify this to retract articles. So I'm happy to see that uh, be done um, if, in fact, the data don't lead to the conclusions that they've drawn. But from FDA's perspective, let me tell you, um, we issued an emergency use authorization so that we could get hydroxychloroquine out into the medical system because we realized that there was a shortage. And we've approved that drug for patients with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. And we wanted to make sure that they had drugs so that they could be treated for their conditions. We also recognized that drug was needed for clinical trials to be done. And we also realized that doctors were writing prescriptions for patients. And this is really important. And we've issued a number of, of communications in the last 10 days, which have emphasized the fact FDA does not regulate the practice of medicine. Doctors are free to write prescriptions for hydroxychloroquine for COVID-19 patients if they think it's the right thing to do in the privacy of a doctor-patient relationship. Tony, you know I'm a doc. I take that doctor-patient relationship very seriously, and um, that's, a, that's, a, that's what a doctor and patient should do together. So we have not prohibited that. We neither endorse uh, nor prohibit, and we don't regulate medicine. Well, and sir, doctors should be free to make that decision. I don't disagree with that, talking to Dr. Stephen Hahn, and you do have training in both medical oncology and, and radiation oncology. You, you, you've been doing this for a while, and I agree wholeheartedly that patients and doctors should be able to make decisions. But one of the things you said was uh, it's, it's important to have confidence in the science. So we have gone from Dr. Anthony Fauci referring to coronavirus as just an extreme form of the flu, uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine to it being deadly and highly contagious, yet we get to the a Lake of the Ozarks and there were no new cases. We went from no masks to masks to people not wearing masks correctly to questioning whether or not a mask is needed to seeing these protests all across uh, the country and not so much the protests but the riots where no one's wearing a mask and people are grouped up all over the place. Should we be in a state of lockdown, sir? I think we're doing the right thing by opening back up. I think the data, 
Now, I am concerned about the protests and the implications there for, for you know, potential outbreaks. But if you look at the information right now, Americans are doing the right thing. They're practicing good practices, um, and uh, we're opening up, and we're doing it safely. And so I'm, I'm really confident about that. And, and Tony, to your point, we, we have to open up because the health consequences of not opening up are significant, you know, drug use, suicides, et cetera. So it's an imperative that we do it and we do it safely. The, the confidence in the science, I'd like to address that in the medicine because, Tony, the way I look at this as a doc, if I'm in the emergency room or I'm treating a person and it's an emergent situation, I'm going to use the best information I have because I have to act quickly and move quickly. As I get more information, I'm going to adjust what I do for that patient. And you know this pandemic came on us quickly. We did not have the information that we needed when it first came. Um, and we have subsequently learned a lot about it and adjusted what we said based upon that. We've done that at the FDA. We've approved, we've authorized certain medical products and then adjusted those authorizations as we've gained more data. This is what you have to do in an emergent situation. But the key is, and you're right, and I'm glad you do it, Tony, is we have to communicate honestly and transparently about if there is a shift in what we recommend, why we're doing that. I want to go back to, to the question at hand because I asked the question, should we still be in lockdown? Let me take it a step further. Did shutting down American society save lives? And is that something that has been weighed? And do you weigh it in what the cost has been in terms of all the other things you mentioned, drug use, uh, uh, overdoses, suicides, etc.? Was shutting down society the only way to stop coronavirus? I would never say the only way, Tony. Um, so, so to your point, um, it, it was a way that it could be done. And I think um, if you look at what's happened around the world, and this is a really important lesson for all of us, um, and particularly public health officials. My personal feeling is because of the fact that we have um, a lot of vulnerable people in long-term care and nursing home facilities, that that was our big vulnerability. And that drove a lot of the decision-making. And I think it's instructive if, if you look at the different states that have a lot of elderly population, how they handled it. Some uh, didn't have the same degree of lockdown as others, and yet were able to protect uh, uh, nursing home and long-term care facility uh, patients. And I think that's the roadmap for moving forward uh, in the fall, which is that we have to do everything we can to protect them, but we also have to be cognizant of the social and the health and the economic costs of shutting down the country. Talking to Dr. Stephen Hahn, uh, the commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, there has been a lot of talk about uh, the protests that, that are going on. There has been conversations from the former CDC head uh, that uh, police brutality is is, is a, a health issue uh, like coronavirus. Uh, Dr. Robert Redfield, I believe, of the CDC saying that you might have moments of breakout because of the protests. You touched on it earlier. I want to dig in a little bit more because what people see is that you have states across the country where people cannot go back to work, restaurants that cannot open, but you have protesters that are gathered in one place. This is not an anti-protest conversation. This is a how do you say or what do you, a doctor, say to those business owners 
right here in Indianapolis, in Lincoln, Nebraska, across the country that cannot open their shop because they've got a governor or someone else screaming at them about the science, but no one's discussing the large masses of people, whether they be the peaceful protesters or the incredibly violent rioters. Yeah, that is, um, it's, it's very difficult to explain, Tony, don't you think? I mean, I... I That's uh, why I'm asking a doctor. <laughs> well, really, seriously about this, I, I, my recommendation to all the governors, uh, to all of the public health officials across the country, is to follow the recommendations for opening up America. That um, being selective in one group versus another um, really uh, doesn't get to what I think is the heart um, and the science behind the, the opening document. And so I completely understand the, what, what the business owners are going through when they see this dichotomy, if you will, and this difference in how uh, things are being approached. And I think that is hazardous not only to the economy, but really to the, to the health of the nation. Dr. Stephen Hahn. Uh, FDA Commissioner, I appreciate being with us on the drivehubler.com hotline. Uh, we will talk more uh, in the future as we think, see things go and grow. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's the issue here is not whether or not you should protest. You know I'm down. I just, I don't believe in, in the shutting down of society at all. And it seems that while I was, uh, it, it seemed to me that, that, that Dr. Hahn, I, I, I think if I could get him over a beer, I think you'd be with me that the shutting down was not the place to be. And I would argue that the answer is open up immediately. But then again, I'm not, I'm not Dr. Katz, because uh, if I did, if I was, I'd, I'd have a cartoon.